Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. Let's talk today about something we're all interested in, forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts. Some translations say, forgive us our trespasses, our offenses, our sins. Let's learn what the Bible teaches us about the importance of forgiveness. One day, Pope John Paul II entered a prison cell outside Rome to meet with inmate Mamet Ali Akka, who had fired a bullet at the Pope's heart in a failed attempt to take his life. In a private moment, the Pope forgave his would-be assassin. Mamet was sentenced to life in prison in Italy, but was paroled 19 years later at the request of the Vatican. A Christian is a person who has been forgiven and who is a forgiving person. Forgiven and forgiving. We live in the flow of forgiveness. It comes from God to our hearts and it flows from our hearts to others. We are people who are forgiven and we are forgiving of others. The word forgiveness means to cancel the debt. So it is a financial term in its basic meaning. I always think of forgiveness and finances. It helps clarify what it really means. The same way you would cancel a debt of somebody that owes you a lot of money or the bank called you up and canceled your debt because they were in a good mood. You would be ecstatic. You'd go out to dinner. That's what forgiveness means, to cancel the debt. And so when a debt's canceled, then the debtor no longer owes anything. So forgiveness means to cancel the debt. It also means to forget the matter, to release the right to resentment. It means to forfeit the privilege of revenge, to give up any grudge, to remove all guilt, and to pardon all sins. You say, that's a lot. Yes, it is. And that's the power of real, true forgiveness. Cancel the debt, give up the grudge, pardon all the sin, cleanse all the guilt, forget the matter altogether. True forgiveness has a forgetful side to it. Not that we don't cognitively remember things, by the power of our brains to store information, but the fact that we don't remember it in a way that we're angry about it, that we're mad about it. We don't remember it in that sense that it continues to drive us to take revenge and to get even. Now, there are two sides of the coin of forgiveness. There's the request here. We're praying, Father, forgive us our debts. There's not a one of us who doesn't need to pray, forgive us our debts. None of us are perfect. Now, I've met a couple of people who thought they were perfect and even told me they were perfect. I met two people that actually told me they didn't commit any sins. I couldn't believe anybody would say anything like that, but that's kind of where they were in their self-delusion. Jesus gave us this prayer to pray. All of us should pray it. And very fact that we pray it, we admit that we have spiritual failures in our lives. Lord, forgive us our debts. He means debts, sins against the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us some incredible things about forgiveness and God's forgiveness. First of all, God's forgiveness is his promise to us. Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4 is one of my favorite passages inspired by King David. He said, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared, you are reverenced, you are awed. 
He said, if you kept a record of our sins, who could stand before you? Who could stand before God if God kept a record of everything we've ever done wrong? But he said, there's forgiveness with God. Second of all, the Bible teaches us that forgiveness is provided by Jesus' atonement for our sins. Atonement means to cover the guilt. You know, when you cover something, you can't see it. You hide it. And that's what it means. First John 1 verse 7 says, if we walk in the light as he God is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanses us from all sins. In 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2, he says, I write to you that you do not sin, but if anyone sins, he has one who speaks to our defense before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He said, I write to you that you don't sin, that you don't fail, but if anyone does fall short, if anyone does sin, he has an advocate. He has a defense attorney, you could translate it. He has an intercessor with the Father, Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice, not only for our sins, for those of us, but for the sins of the whole world, wherever you are today, whoever you are, Jesus has provided an atonement through his death on the cross, his cleansing blood to cover your sins and your guilt if you will receive him and receive his forgiveness. Third of all, the Bible teaches us forgiveness is received by confession. We have to admit that we've done wrong, and that's what this prayer is. Forgive us our debts is a confession that we've done things that are wrong. We've violated God's laws. We've fallen short of his glory. First John 1 and 9 says if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Fourth of all, the Bible says that Forgiveness brings cleansing. You've heard in several of the passages I've quoted to you already the term cleansing. He cleanses us from all sins. He purifies us. But what does that mean? You see, sin brings a sense of shame with it. It has an emotional component. Even though we know we're forgiven as a fact, sometimes we often feel unforgiven. How many times have we confessed to the Lord that we did wrong? We say, Lord, I receive your forgiveness. And yet, the guilt lingers on, the embarrassment lingers on, the self-disappointment lingers on. When we receive forgiveness, it brings a cleansing of our souls, of our minds, so that we are eventually purged of that emotional baggage of guilt. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish unto God, cleanse your consciences from dead works? that you may serve the living God. You see, when we're forgiven, it cleanses our conscience. We realize that God forgives and he forgets. He casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west, the psalmist writes. So this prayer is a request, and we can come to God 24-7 and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my failures. Forgive me for my oversight. Forgive me for neglecting the good I should have done. And God graciously forgives so that you and I can walk always in a sense of forgiveness and don't have ever to live a life in guilt and shame and embarrassment and a sense of failure. But then there is the release. He says, as we forgive our debtors. So we receive forgiveness, we request it, we receive it, and then we release it. We give it to others as we forgive our debtors. And he's, he's really saying that, the way that we forgive others is the way that God forgives us. We want God to forgive us completely, so we need to forgive other people completely. Now, all through the Bible, we see the problem of unforgiveness in many stories, and we see it in life. 
Perhaps you've seen it in the way somebody treated you. They, they were so mad, they just wouldn't forgive you. You apologize, you tried to make it right, and they like to hold on to their anger. People use anger to punish us. That's why people say angry. They're using their anger, and sometimes their passive-aggressive behavior, sometimes aggressive behavior, to punish you or to punish me. That's why people lash out. And it is strange that you can go and apologize and even try to do something nice for someone. They don't want to be forgiven. The reason is they enjoy their anger. Their anger makes them feel powerful. They want to punish us, and that's why they don't forgive us. And that's a great spiritual problem because Jesus says in the way that you forgive others is the way God is going to forgive you. The Hebrews 12 and 15 reminds us of the problem of deep-seated unforgiveness that it causes in the life of a person who holds on to a grudge. Here in Hebrews, the writer says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. He says, if you hold on to that unforgiveness, it's going to turn into bitterness and it's going to grow up and it's going to cause trouble. It's going to trouble your heart. It's going to give you ulcers. It's going to give you headaches. It's going to give you physical problems. It's going to trouble your mind. It's going to keep you in a state of rage and anger. It's going to raise your cortisol levels. It troubles. And then it defiles many. That anger spreads out into relationships. We start talking to other people about how this person did us wrong, and that gossip spreads. And, and people that stay angry, they try to get other people to join their anger crusade toward that person or toward that group. This is a big problem today in the world. That's why you see the riots in the street and people raging. They get this collective sense of anger. One person gets treated unjustly. Next thing you know, you got a mob of people angry because anger has that power to defile many people. The Bible also talks about the prerequisite to forgive others. In other words, if I'm going to be forgiven, I've got to forgive. If you're going to be forgiven by God, you've got to forgive people. That's what Jesus is saying. Forgive us our debts as in the proportion in the way that we forgive those who sin against us. The forgiveness we receive is predicated on the forgiveness we give. Now, this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer Jesus adds any commentary on. This is amazing. He goes back and comments about this one part of the prayer. He doesn't comment about Give us this day our daily bread, thy kingdom come. He doesn't, he only comments on this, explains this one further. What this means, forgive us our debts, Father, as we forgive. He ends it by giving this teaching. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. That's as straightforward as it gets. But it reminds us of how important it is to forgive people. We talk a lot today about equity, equality. Equity means to be fair. It's a great word. It means to be balanced. Equity is treating other people fairly. And it's not fair to ask God to forgive us our sins if we're not going to forgive others. And that's his point. That forgiveness is a gift to be received. It is a gift to be released. And I know that hurt gets deep in people's hearts. I know that a lot of the injuries are severe. The injustice can be real. And I know that some people, by their temperament, they stay mad longer than other people do. There are different personality types. There are different temperament types. And some temperament types, some very melancholy people, they tend to walk on the dark side of the road. 
They, they naturally are given to depression and moodiness. And there are people that stay mad for a long time. They, they just naturally, by their temperament, are passive aggressive. They, they sulk and they hold things in and they get silent and they use silence to punish. And it's important to know your own temper. It's important to know if you're a person naturally given to staying mad because you can break that habit. You can go against your own nature and ask the Lord to give you the new nature of Christ, which is a nature of forgiveness. Martin Luther, the great reformer who lived in the 1500s, was a part of the Reformation when the church was returning to the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of Jesus he made this statement, my heart is too great and too glad to be the enemy of anyone. And that's a great prayer that I want to leave you with. You can pray that prayer on any given day. You can make that declaration and remind yourself, no, I'm better than being angry. I'm better than staying mad. I'm better than lashing out in gossip. I'm not going to get on social media and vent my frustrations. I'm better than that. I'm a Christian. Christ is in me. I'm a new creation. You can make a declaration on any given day when you're mad. My heart is too great and it's too glad to be the enemy of anyone. Join me for prayer. Lord, thank you for your word today. Lord, we do come before you. We honestly pray, forgive us our debts. May there come cleansing and purity in all of our hearts and minds today through the atonement of Jesus. And Lord, we release the anger, the hurt, the unforgiveness we choose by the grace of God and the commandment of Christ to love one another. In Jesus' name, we forgive everyone who has sinned against us and done anything to harm us. In Jesus' name, today, we let go of the grudge. We give up the resentment. We release the anger. And we choose by your grace within us to forgive them fully and completely, to forget the matter, and to live in freedom. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me. What an amazing teaching this is, really, to go through the Lord's Prayer and to understand the implication of praying these powerful phrases. Each phrase is so full of meaning for our lives, and I pray that the teaching has enriched your life today. Do me a favor. I want you to go and subscribe to my social media today and also to Mount Perrin's social media so that you and I can stay connected as well. I want to thank you for praying for the ministry. Many of you that watch all over the world, all over the country, I get to hear from you from time to time. You're part of the Mount Perrin family too. Thank you for your financial support. Anytime you give tithes and offers, no matter where you are in the world, we put it to good use to build the kingdom of God, to preach the gospel of Christ. So thank you for all the ways that you support the work of the ministry. For all of you that are on campus, several thousand every weekend as we're worshiping the Lord, serving the church thrives when each member of the church finds his or her place of service. So thank you for your gracious and faithful support. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you in worship, praying for you and your family. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship, on campus, and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.